Nehemiah chapter 1. Start in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, And it came to pass in the months of Chisleu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my <clears throat> brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, thou, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, Yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and, of thy, and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, <clears throat> let, thou nine, let thou an ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. How many of y'all have read Nehemiah? Y'all know what Nehemiah is about, right? Nehemiah, I believe, was impressed by God to lead the Israelites into rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. <clears throat> and you know, in some in some sense, uh, this is not too different from where we stand today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nehemiah gets word from these guys that the walls are torn down, the gates are burned up. Y'all know how important walls and gates were in those days? It was life and death, yes. If you didn't have walls and gates that you, you could secure your city or around your home or whatever, 
Anybody was just free to come in and do what they wanted to do. And they did. They would come and just take over the whole place. And they would burn the gates because if there was no gate, there's a big gaping hole, right? But people have to have a way in and out. So they would always try their best to protect the gates. But Jerusalem had fallen. It had been destroyed. The gates were all torn down. The walls were torn down. And Nehemiah felt like it needed to be rebuilt. So, let's look back up at one of the verses. I want you to identify with these people. Verse 3, he says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now, who are these people? That's not us. This is the people in, the, in Kennard and the surrounding communities that, that need help. Right? said they're in great affliction and reproach. Why? Because they don't have any walls. They have no defense. People can just come and, you know, you spend some time, maybe you plant a garden or whatever, and then people just come in and just take everything you have. Take your children. Whatever. No defense. No way to stop them from doing that. So these people were in great affliction and reproach. Meaning that, that people were just attacking them left and right to having their way with them because they have no way to defend against these people. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of weapon you have. If you have no source of defense, that weapon's only good for so long. You could have 10,000 spears, but if you don't have a wall to throw them from, you have no defense. So, Nehemiah is disturbed by this news. What does he do? He weeps and he fasts and he prays. And he goes to God and what's the first thing he tells God? He said, God, we've sinned against you. He included himself in it. Right? He said, we've sinned against you. And he reminded God. Now, why do we do that? <laughs> we want to always remind God, don't we? He reminded God. God, you said if we turned against you that you'd scatter us. And that's what he did, right? He scattered them, man. Put them in captivity and just all kinds of terrible things happened to the Israelites. And then he said, but you also said if we turn back to you, that you'd bring us back together. That you would reunite us. So that's what Nehemiah began to do. He began to pray and fast, not only for himself. Now listen, not only for himself, he began to pray and fast for his country, for his nation, right? He began to say, God, I want to turn back to you first. And I'm going to help lead others to turn back to you and help us rebuild the walls, Lord. 
That's what Nehemiah began to do. Now, if Nehemiah did this in times of physical war, physical combat, why can't we do that today in times of spiritual war and combat? Why can't we turn back to God and say, God, I don't know about the rest of them, but I'm going to take a stand today. I'm going to begin to fast and pray. God, forgive us of our sins. Help reunite us together. Bring us back with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Those that are afflicted and those that are torn down, help us rebuild them. Help us to rebuild the wall so that they can have a source of defense. There's no reason why we can't do that today. Nothing's changed. Turn over to chapter 4. You know, there's a few things that have kind of happened in between the first chapter and chapter 4. Nehemiah's went. He's kind of surveyed everything. Found it to be just as those guys told him. Man, the walls are just in sad shape. Tore down. You can imagine. Now, listen, if you were, if you were on the attacking side and you finally were able to breach the walls and get in there and do whatever it is you're going to do, would you just leave one little hole? No. <laughs> it's really easy to rebuild another hole, right? I would just do as much damage as I could to make sure these people didn't rebuild them, right? One hole in the wall, one man can rebuild. But if you leave these walls desolated, those few people that remain, that remnant, they ain't going to be able to do it. So look in verse 7. It came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem... That's a lot of people now. This isn't one or two people. This is when it's got ites on the end. <laughs> that's a lot of people, Right? This isn't the the uh, talking talk about one family. This is talking about nations. So when they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. I want you to just take that in for a minute. The enemies heard that the Israelites were rebuilding these walls. Did they say, oh man, y'all are doing a good job? They didn't like it, did they? It was wroth. It means they were angry, very angry. Why? Yeah, they'd they'd spent a lot of time and effort knocking these walls down. They didn't want them to rebuild them because they knew if they rebuilt the walls, they'd start from square one. They'd start all over. Jerry, what does that? How does that apply to us? It applies directly to us today. See, the enemy 
You don't have to be called an Ammonite or whatever to be considered my enemy, right? My enemy is not flesh and blood. My enemy is spiritual. We, as we try to rebuild walls, we try to sow love into the community. See, those walls, listen now, these walls are not a physical wall. When, we, when you start talking about spiritual things, you have to deal with it in the spiritual, right? Now, I know that I'm, re, I'm stating the obvious here, but I want you to understand that when, when we're talking about rebuilding walls, we're talking about individual people, we're talking about the state of their spiritual nature, right? So as we talk about building walls... We're talking about sowing love into the community. We're talking about restoring a state of being that God would have to be put in place. Those walls have been torn down. The people's state of spiritual well-being has been torn down. As we do that, what happens? The enemy gets mad. The enemy gets angry. Because we're trying to rebuild what He has spent so long tearing down. Right? I want you to notice the walls aren't completed at this point. In verse 8 there, no, I'm sorry, the end of verse 7. Yeah, in verse 7. It says, they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, that the breaches began to be stopped. This is at the beginning, right? They just got word that the Israelites were working on it. That they had started to stop up these walls. These holes in the wall. They got upset. It's time to, they were, oh, I'm ready to fight now. You want to try to take back what I've already taken from you. Something worth fighting for. Right? Pick a side. It doesn't matter. It's something worth fighting for. Otherwise, you wouldn't have fought for it to start with. The enemy wouldn't come and attack you and tear down your walls if it wasn't something worth fighting for. If it wasn't something he had to gain for it, from it, he wouldn't have come and attacked to start with. He'd have left you at your own. He'd have just left you alone. So these walls have been torn down. If you go on and read Nehemiah, man, y'all need to read it. It's, it's a, it, beside the whole spiritual, biblical aspect of it, it's a good story. You, you look at these people as they begin to work and build, and what do they do? They either have a sword in one hand and they're working with the other, or they've got the sword on their hip. They've got people standing guard. You know, sometimes you can't work and hold a sword at the same time. They've got people standing guard around the clock as they work. Did they work five hours and say, well, let's take a break? No, they worked around the clock. 24-7, all through the night. They had shifts. They Look, there was a reason they wanted to rebuild these walls. This wasn't just some little weekend project. Right? 
there was great concern with these people. They decided, look, this is something we need to do, not because it's just something fun. We've got to reestablish God's perimeter. We've got to reclaim God's kingdom. Notice that the enemy didn't come in and rebuild walls and set up camp there. See, the Bible tells you a little bit about your enemy. It says that he's a roaring lion, or he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's not interested in building something. He's not interested in in setting up camp somewhere. He just wants to go destroy. But God wants to not only create, make good things, He wants to establish a kingdom. Right? We're His people. You know what these Israelites decided? Who were they doing this for? They're doing it for themselves. This was their inheritance. This belonged to them, was given to them by God. Right? It was given to them by God. It's something worth fighting for. Look, when God gives you something, when God promises you something, when God speaks into your life, there ain't nothing anybody can say that's going to change your mind about that. Nothing. These Israelites had a heritage. They had something handed down to them, not only the, the law, the Word of God, but they had ancestors that had, had experiences with God that were just tremendous. And through all of that, God had given them a promised land. And the heart of that was Jerusalem. That was His city. You know, sometimes you just got to stand up and fight for something. Sometimes you've got to take a stand and say, this is worth fighting for. This is worth claiming. Look, I have a heritage here in this town. I grew up here. It'd be real easy for me to just go somewhere else. You think I couldn't? I ain't stuck here. I could, any of us could just one day decide I want to move and go start somewhere else, right? Why do we stay here? This is this is my place. You can't take it from me. This is mine. Now I ain't just talking in the physical realm, y'all. I'm talking spiritual. This is what God gave me. I'm gonna fight for it. He gave me that little little phrase, claim for the kingdom. I'm gonna go about claiming for the kingdom. I'm gonna help rebuild some walls in people. Sometimes I gotta help tear down some walls first. Because sometimes the enemy will try to help build some walls just to keep me at bay. Y'all, I'm telling you, these people are worth fighting for. This is a heritage we've been given by God. Just like Nehemiah. Look, Nehemiah, where was Nehemiah? 
It said he was in a palace, right? He was the king's cupbearer. Y'all I don't know how much you know about history. I don't know a whole lot. But these people that served in the palace, I ain't going to tell you they lived lavishly because they were servants, but they had it a whole lot better than any, anybody that worked out in the fields or whatever, you know. He served, in the, he served the king. He dealt directly with the king. If you look in chapter 2, you'll see that he was, he's talking with the king. He gets the commission of the king to go and do these things because God was working. He didn't have a reason to just pick up and want to go do this on his own. But Nehemiah heard the call of God. And he said, you know what? I'll give up whatever I got here because it's worth fighting for. It's worth pursuing because God sent him. See, when God speaks something into you, you just you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Just like Jeremiah said, your word, he, he didn't want to go tell these people what God told him to go tell them. He said, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. i got to go tell them. When God tells you, you just got to do it. You know the thing that Help me identify most with Nehemiah here. Back in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And it came to pass when I heard these words, when he heard what was going on with the Israelites and with the walls and those people there that are afflicted. He said, When I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. When he heard what was going on, when he came to the knowledge of what was happening, he got upset about it. Not only did he get upset about the situation, see, now listen, he didn't just get upset about the, the plight of these people and, and wanting to help them. What did he do? He confessed his sin. He, he, he recognized right then, I've sinned before God. I want you all to hear this now. I want you to understand where Nehemiah was because we're not too far off from where he was. It's real easy to set up in the palace. It's real easy to set in the palace and, and just serve the king. Day after day till you die. Don't ever put up a fight. You don't ever get no whippings, right? You just do what you're told and everything will be all right. But what happened? Unfortunately, Nehemiah heard what was going on and God began to deal with him. He began to turn to God and he said, God, forgive me where I failed you. Forgive me that I have sat here for this long and not done anything. I want to do it now. 
He remembered when he turned back to God that God would begin to bring them together, right? And that's exactly what God did. So y'all, we ain't too far off from that. It's real easy to sit here in the palace and not do anything. It's real easy. It's real easy for me to get comfortable and just come and preach to y'all on Sunday and not do anything between Monday and Sunday. It's hard to step out of the palace and go actually do something for God besides just what we do here. Have y'all ever heard the saying, if it, if it ain't uh, hard, it's not worth doing, or something like that? If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? That's why it's called work, yes. So, I find myself right in the middle of this story. I identify with Nehemiah. You know, it would be real easy to miss that first chapter. And say, oh yeah, man, Nehemiah went and help these people rebuild and get all fired up, but you need to stick in chapter 1 for a minute. Because the first thing Nehemiah did was fall on his face before God and confess his sin and get right with God. Not just because of other things, but I believe Nehemiah had a direct connection with these people in a spiritual sense because of his lack of doing Right? And here we sit. People around us are afflicted. People are afflicted, y'all. Walls are torn down. And we're sitting here in a palace. It's real easy to do it. The, The scary thing is it's real easy to do that and not realize what's going on. Because we can be so easily blinded. You think the enemy don't try to blind you by that stuff? You think he don't try to send, send false witness to you and tell you, oh, everything's not as bad as what you think? It's really not that bad. See, I can go from here to Curry's and back and never get involved with anything further on. I don't really have a reason to go into town. I don't have to go pick my kids up at school. My wife does that. I don't have to go meet these people on a daily basis. So it's real easy to just kind of distance myself from that, right? It's time that all of us... Well, I'm not coming down on y'all. Man, this is... I preach to myself every week, y'all. It's time that we... Get on our faces before God. And first of all, repent. God, show us, our, show us the error in our ways. And then we need to be praying that God... See, what else did, what else did Nehemiah do at the end of chapter 1? He said uh, in the last verse, I pray thee thy servant this day, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Who is that? The king. For I was the king's cupbearer. He's, he's telling you... Who I'm talking about the king, because at this time I was the king's cupbearer. He prayed and asked God to grant him mercy in the sight of the king. Why did he do that? You think the king didn't have influence over this situation? 
Yes, he did. He asked the king in chapter 2, Oh, and by the way, king, can, can we also have a, a little note that says it's okay that we go into your forest and get some lumber to build gates with? Oh, and by the way, king, can we have a note to go talk to this guy over here? And see, everywhere he went then, he went in the name of the king. Right? He wasn't just going and begging begging for whatever he could get from these people, see? There's a difference when you go in the name of someone with authority. You say, I'm here because he sent me. Oh, well, go get what you want. Right? He didn't have to just take whatever was left over. You ever try to piece two boards together end to end to make a long one? It ain't very easy, is it? And it's not very strong when it's done. But if you need to make a gate that's 15 or 20 feet tall, you need some good lumber. They went in the name of the king. You think they didn't just go cut trees down fresh? Give him choice lumber. He went in the king's name, not his own. We need to pray that. We need to pray that God will give us favor with those that are in authority over us. Those that have sway. See, Kevin's nature says, I don't need their help. I'll do it on my own. That's what Kevin's nature says. Kevin's nature says, I don't want to rub elbows with those kind of people because they think they just know everything and I know what I can do and what I don't need them for. Right? I don't like politicians. I don't like people with influence because it goes to their head and they become conceited. And they want to abuse their authority. But, you know what? It's okay to pray and ask for God to give you favor. Because you're, you're about the Lord's work, not, not theirs. And do you know that Nehemiah didn't owe the king anything? See, if you go make deals on your own, you'll end up owing somebody. But when God orchestrates it, when God puts the plan in motion... You don't owe nobody nothing. God provided. 